Hi, I'm Alexandra Roxo, your host of the Holy Fuck podcast. I've created this podcast because I want to explore how the mystical touches us in our everyday lives, how the sacred and profane move together like two sides of the same coin. I found that in modern spirituality, we often separate the sacred and the profane. We look at certain things as being holy and good and others as being bad. And I've actually found that the most magical part of life is finding the divinity, the healing, and the transformation in all of it. In this podcast, you can expect to hear stories from people on all sorts of walks of life. You'll hear from a doctor, a sex worker, a poet, a motivational speaker, an activist, a mother, a birth doula, and all sorts of other people who are walking on an embodied path of healing and transformation as a soul awakening this lifetime. Each one of our guests will be sharing their mystical and numinous and spiritual awakenings, how the sacred has touched their lives and the profane too. How they have explored life through sex, drugs, birthing, meditation, prayer, experiencing death and life, and all sorts of different elements that God, Goddess Divine, speaks to us through. If you've found that you're also a rebel mystic who doesn't just fit into the simple ideas of good and bad, of spirituality, but sees the nuance that life has to offer us, then I hope you find a home with me here in this podcast. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. I am really excited about today's episode. I loved connecting with Rachel Rabbit White because she is a ritualist. She is a goddess worshiper. She's a poet. She has been a sex worker and is out about that and has advocated for sex workers' rights in many different ways. Um... She's been a writer and had columns at multiple magazines. Her her work and her being and her body and her beauty have been featured in Vogue and Vanity Fair and many different places because she's very much radically herself. And it seems like she just doesn't give a fuck. And she's not playing the game of trying to um, be a certain way to get get a certain thing, it seems, like get a certain amount of fame or fortune or... Um, following. She just seems to be very radically herself. And um, you know when you find people like that in today's age who don't seem to be copying other people or sort of going with what is the trend online or on Instagram or social media in any way, um, and who seem to be expressed, like you can feel the core of their being and their excitement about life. That to me is just so inspirational. So um, stay tuned to the end. She reads a poem from her incredible book, uh, Porn Carnival. And, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be one that maybe, you know, touches, maybe triggers, maybe activates a few people, depending on how conservative you are, though you probably really aren't conservative if you're listening to this podcast. So, um, but stay with it. And I am excited to introduce you, Rachel Rabbit White. Hi, everybody. I'm here today with Rachel Rabbit White. And I don't know if that's her real name. We will ask her very soon here because it is a really special, magical name. I have ARR as my initials. So I have two R's, but three, uh, two and a W. That's a nice initials also. So uh, 
I'm really excited to have Rachel here today because I've known Rachel for a long time and we were just trying to figure out how and when we made our first connection. And it was back when I was doing a piece for Vice called Life as a Truck Stop Stripper. And we'll have to go back and find in the archive, but I was really like taken by uh, Rachel's magnetism and being someone I could tell she was smart, maybe a bit academic, intellectual, but also really sexy. And so over these last, I guess it's been maybe like eight years, I've sort of followed her career from afar. And we've had crossovers of friends and, and uh, peers that I'll hear her name from, from time to time, like, oh, Rachel's book launch or, oh, her poetry book. And so when I was considering the lineup of people that I wanted to ask to share a story on this podcast, um, she magically popped up as I was reading uh, an article in Interview Magazine. So I took it as fate that Interview Magazine recommended um, you. And I had heard about your poetry book and I had kind of even read a few of the poems, I think, through a friend. But uh I would love to just... It's so crazy how many lifetimes we've known each other through. Like, it's just like spinning my mind, all the people and all the different things. I know, but yeah. I know. And the, I know. And I, I, I feel like... I feel like there's something about that that activates something in me of like, oh my God, like it kind of like, it feels magical, right? When people just like keep transforming and popping up in new ways in your sphere. Yeah. It's, it's, and it also, I feel seen in a certain way because I'm, I know that we've seen each other at different phases, right? So totally <laughs> eight years is a long time. Yeah, It's kind of exposing, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm so different than I was when I was 27 <laughs> or 26 when I met you, which I could, I could have been mm -hmm. that far back, but, uh, but here we are today <laughs> and we're, we're different people and we're probably the same in many ways as well. Exactly. So I'd love to just start by hearing you introduce yourself to our audience here and what you do now, what you're most excited about, the kind of work you're doing, because mm -hmm. I know you do many different things. Yeah. Um, Rachel Robert White is my real name, legally. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, I love the double R thing. It's, it lends itself to great nicknames. Like everyone calls me Ra Ra or Rabs. But um, yeah, so I'm a poet and a writer. Uh, my new collection, it's, um, this is an extended version of my collection of poems, Porn Carnival. It's kind of shiny. So we've got like a whole section of new love poems in here. So this book is sort of about like, um, I mean, it's about sex work. It's about class warfare. It's about queerness. It's about orgies, it's about decadence. It's about all kinds of things. And then there's this new section, blue pages, where it's all just this burst of love poems. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah. Yeah, so I, I write poems. I also write essays. Um, I'm working on a pilot for a TV show and a book. So I'm an all-around writer and, I guess, gal about town, usually in New York City. I'm currently in Mississippi with my fiancé, who's also a writer. So, yeah. So cool. What are you guys doing in Mississippi? <sighs> I mean, Nico's here because he is on federal probation. His book, Cherry, if you want to know more about him, he spent the last 10 years in prison for robbing banks. Um, it's been, it's about to come out as a movie. The movie version of Cherry starring Tom Holland is hitting theaters like February 26th. But the book is amazing, Cherry by Nico Walker. So we're here for the time being until we can get things moved to New York. But for now, we're just in the 
slow pace of Mississippi. Oh my goodness. It, that feels right along with decadence and decay and like right. the South. <laughs> like uh, I think of that in the South. I think about just these kind of old haunts where you can buy like martinis for a dollar and like, you know, the, right. the walls are kind of falling apart, but there's like such beauty. Mm-hmm. I miss the stuff. Oh, I found like amazing abandoned houses mm-hmm. and the thrifting's amazing. Like, yeah, there's there's some pluses yeah. being out of New York. Wow, wow, wow. So currently then you're you're just writing. You're writing your book, you're writing poetry. Yeah, I'm writing my book. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Did the love chapter or section get added when you guys fell in love? Yes. <laughs> That's so beautiful. It's so inspiring know, how that yeah. happens and funny how that happens and it changes our lives as artists and writers. It's I know, it's so wild. Yeah, just this burst of love poems. He was still in a halfway house when we met and she was here in Mississippi. I was sort of going back and forth and then we got quarantined together. It was a wild ride. Being with someone while they're in transition and getting out of prison is obviously crazy. But then to have this two thing where I'd read his book already, he'd read mine. It was just this like feeling of fate. The romance was just so high. And those wow. How did you guys meet? Um, well, I already read his book while he was in prison, but he was supposed to be in prison much longer. I don't think he was supposed to get out until 2022 or something like that. And I read his book when it came out in like 2017 and I was like, oh, he's really cool. I really like this writer, but yeah, I'm not going to meet him. And then when my book came out, he wrote to me. And so oh, we started the I love that. <laughs> he just <laughs> found it randomly? Um, yeah. I mean, he was staying on top of literature. So wow. oh, that's so beautiful. Wow. That's lovely. And so for, for those of you all who didn't hear, Rachel's book is called Porn Carnival. Yes. Yeah. And we'll, we'll put links to that um, as well. And I, I need to buy it and have it by my bed. And I just haven't done that yet for some reason. I'll send you a oh, Thank you. Probably because I, I'm a bit of a book junkie. So I have so many and mm-hmm. I kind of tell myself like, okay, finish these before you buy more. Um, my parents are both book junkies too. I, I think it's not a terrible thing to want to well poetry is great because you can just dip into it yeah you know you just like flip through see what catches your eye you just read a few poems so like if you're someone who like has problems with like starting and finishing a lot of books buying poetry books is I mean that's what I do just read poetry all the time we my partner and I read poetry to each other a lot it's like part of our morning Mm -hmm. routine so this would put this for our evening routine though I think is good like I always have Mm -hmm. like Anne Rice and the story of O and certain erotic yeah, by yeah. the bed. Well, I'd love to get into uh, our story mm-hmm. for today. And so I asked Rachel, like I asked all of the season's guests to think up, uh, a, well, think about, dream up, conjure out of her soul and her own um, memory box. What experience of many, I am sure. <laughs> what experience she wanted to share with us that was transformational, numinous, mysterious, um, spiritual, life-changing, all of those words. For everyone who shares with us, it'll be a little bit different, obviously, what kind of a texture they bring. And so I'm going to turn the mic over to her as she brings us into her world, which I'm imagining just by uh, her introduction and what she shared with us here, you 
can already feel that her world is quite colorful, maybe a little bit wild <laughs> and um, sounds quite mythic, right? And there is already myth and poetry and like a legendary kind of a sense to even the, the, the small bit of information you've shared with us. Like I'm imagining, you know, a David Lynch's wild at heart and natural born killers. Mm -hmm. And for those of you all who like cinema, um, there already feels like there's something cinematic coming. So I'm excited <laughs> to hear what, what moment that you feel called to share with us and you can just dive in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so funny cause you're like, you know, top spiritual transformational moment. And I've definitely had like a lot of like more straightforward, like spiritual moments. Like I have a spiritual practice, you know, like I've long done sort of like witchcraft and goddess worship and dipped into all kinds of different things you know, playing on the astral plane, I've experienced wild things like getting into other people's minds and dreams. And so like, I've had like deeply mystical things, but I just kept going back to this one experience that I want to say it was like spiritual and life-changing. But like, when I think about it, like it was just whimsical. Um, and it was this acid trip that I took upstate, which New Yorkers love going upstate. You know, it's like our, our thing in the summer where like, we're like nature, it exists. And we imagine our cottage core life that we could possibly have. Um, so this was like a late August trip to Wyndham, New York. And I was with a bunch of friends. We had rented this huge, beautiful house that had like a jacuzzi on a back deck that overlooked this spilling meadow and the meadow had like fog coming off of it in the morning when we're still awake. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have done countless acid trips, you know, and like sometimes they do change you, you know, sometimes afterward you are just lit up and excited for days with ideas and new aesthetics and new ways of being and just new ways of seeing the world. And then other times it's sort of like, yeah, I felt the acid or like other times you're like, I don't know, it kind of made me sluggish, you know, like, and I don't know if that's like the stuff you get or if it's like where your mind is and your energy, you know? And where I was at that point was I was a sex worker. So I was working as an escort in New York and I was hustling all the time. Like I was just, you know, really trying to take care of myself and the people around me and make enough money and like just do all this stuff, you know, that was like really a grind. And so I hadn't taken any psychedelics for a couple of years because I was afraid, like, not maybe that I would freak out, but also just that, like, I wasn't in that place of, like, playing with my mind. You know, my mind was always like, what's my next photo shoot? Where's my brand going? You know, like, how much money do I need to make? How can I support myself? How can I support my partner and my other partner? You know, like, so um, to have that moment where you haven't done psychedelics in a long time and then to, like, sort of burst open with them again, almost like the first time you did them, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's so hard to describe an acid trip. I actually wrote about this acid trip in my book. There's a poem called Roses of Heliogobulus that's about this acid trip. It's also about this teenage trans empress from Rome who was blamed for the fall of Rome. Which is that a real thing or that was came from your... Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, she really existed. She was a 14-year-old um, well, so, I mean, people usually call her emperor, but like when you read about her, she always said she preferred the pronoun she. So, I mean, you know, she was an empress, you know, she came to power at 14. Um, she was known for like her decadent parties. The first thing she did was like 
fire all the staff and hire only men like had the most like beautiful cocks like she was like that's that's what this is about um so the stories about her the lore about her is really wild like there's this um it's a beautiful i think a victorian era painting um where it's called roses of heliogabalus you can look it up and it's it's the depiction of one of the stories about her where people people would say things about her like she would throw these wild parties where crazy things would happen. She once had an orgy where rose petals fell from the ceiling. They fell so many of them, so many of them that the, the orgiest, the people at the party were crushed alive by roses, which is like, what a way to die, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like during this acid trip, you know, my friends and I, it's like, I'm with um, like my live-in partner and two other partners. And it's sort of like, those relationships got really solidified and it was like this moment, you know, like Heliogabalus, like she was hated for like her decadence, but also like her queerness. Okay. So, you know, and I feel like, yeah, I want to stop you there just for people that are listening and like, wait, what do you mean all these partners? So will you tell us like, <laughs> were, were these partners, romantic partners that you're in a poly or relationships with, or what kind of partners? Yeah, so I was with um, my ex who I lived with. Um, we lived together like four years, like very established partner, a guy. And then two other of my friends, girls who like, I'd been sort of like, well, I mean, like I said, I've been so focused on my work and stuff, but that was because I wanted to create a community space with other sex workers and other people and throw parties and those parties would turn into orgies when you have sex workers together and they're used to living this sort of lifestyle and everyone sort of is bi, how can you not be? It becomes part of the job. And then you realize like, yes, that's what it is. Um, so I'd had these friends that like, I'd been hanging out with a lot and we've been sleeping together. And it just sort of like, I realized like, these are, these are real relationships, you know? And it was sort of this moment of like, I was like on the acid and I was like, well, the acid's making me even gayer. And then it was like, I can't become less gay now. Like everything I do will only make me more gay. And so like, yeah, it was just this beautiful moment of like realizing also like at that moment of realizing how much those relationships were romantic relationships, not just friendships, not just sexual, but like real partners looking into those eyes and laughing and just realizing how much I loved all of them, you know? And like, but also like a pain there too, realizing like, how much of my life I've lived erasing female friendships, you know, people that like were partners or like weren't because of, you know, people were oppressed or people needed to rely on men for money or whatever reason, like all those other relationships that didn't get elevated to that romantic level, mm -hmm. even if that was there, you know? So it's like this feeling of like, this is so special and this is something that like gets erased so often wow. and that I don't want to erase anymore. I love how you just said the relationships that didn't get elevated into romance and that in itself is, is so poetic in a sense. It's like the exaltation of two people's connection and which, which uh, relationships in our lives become the exalted ones that then are the ones where we, we do worship and we open our body and we open our heart, we open our soul and the, the society that we live in that really kind of puts a certain amount of uh, reverence or sanctity only around a certain type of uh, relationship that 
only this type of relationship gets elevated into the space of romance right. where, where also can be mystical or mythical or um, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And I like how you just said that about those friendships, that the friendships were elevated into romance, which also brings me to the sort of notion of in the Victorian era, the romantic friendships that existed. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you've studied much around or, you know, read about that. Time. Yeah, absolutely. But um. I love that 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 terminology and just imagining you with those friends and going, well, actually, there isn't maybe a separation between the way that I elevate this one partner and the way that I want to elevate these. Like, why can't I elevate all of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really what it was. That's truly what yeah. it was. And it was like, we got to have this beautiful moment where like, we'd gone grocery shopping before the acid trip not realizing like we would be way too fucked up to know what to do with all of these vegetables, <laughs> you know? So, you know, like the one thing I, I was like, it was a very like sexual trip for me, obviously, which isn't always the case. You know, that doesn't always happen. You don't always have a lot of energy. I had a lot of energy. And I was like probably the one who'd done it the most. A lot of people were first timers. And so to have so many trips under my belt, I think I was like, okay, like I know how to move this drug around. I know how to play with it, you know? And at some point, like we had this zucchini that we bought for food. And we were like, what are we gonna do with all this food? And I was like, oh, I know what we're gonna do with this zucchini. And it was just like, we didn't even have to use it sexually. All we needed to do was just like, you know, take the zucchini and like rub your friend's thigh with it and be like, I know you want the zucchini. And so like, we started this zucchini society, like the three of us, the two girls and I, and it was just like, so fun. And we're like laughing and we're like hooking up and like, just really adorable. Mm. You know, when you're on acid and you create a joke too, it just like builds and builds. So yeah, you guys, and then it was really, you were able to access, like, it sounds like a certain element of like complete abandon and play that. Completely. That, yeah. Which we often did. Yeah. And then like, it was so sweet because like, I'd often felt like, you know, you have to choose between partners sometimes at parties, you know, like, are you going to go with the one you live with and make them happy? Or are you going to go off and sort of ignore them and be like, don't, don't bother me now, babe. But it was like, you know, I was having this great moment with like my girlfriends. And then, you know, later, like, I was like, oh, I want to connect like with my partner, you know, that I live with. And like, we went upstairs and like, we had sex and it was like, great. And then like when we were done, I don't know, I think my friends were waiting. They like came in as soon as we were done with like a basket. They somehow like had realized how to cook the corn that we bought, like a basket of corn and like all these things. And they're like, for you lovers. And it was just like very sweet Mm. and loving and everyone just like loving each other's Mm. love. I mean, it sounds so hippy dippy when I say it, but we were like also laughing so hard because it was a basket of boiled (laughs) corn. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, but I I mean, I get that the, there's something that can happen and it isn't it like it doesn't always happen for anyone listening. Like it does not always happen when you go on a psychedelic trip that it's like a moment of expansion and love and joy, but there is the right alchemy and kind of with the right twist of fate that it's like all of the bullshit gets left aside so that you can have these moments where the joy of bringing a basket of corn to your friends is like really fucking epic and beautiful. Right. Um, and, and the joy of kissing or holding someone that you maybe wouldn't normally because of your inhibitions mm-hmm. or your conditioning around, you know, Oh, I shouldn't kiss my friends. Like I, I wrote a poem and it was like, remember when we used to just slide each other, slide our tongues into each other's mouths. Like we were just loving each other and just like, just, being friends and it wasn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the line of it. Um, 
but there is something that as we grow older, these ways that we may or may not connect that we're like only allowed to do um, if we're inebriated or burning man or whatever, and to be able mm-hmm. to, to bring them into, you know, your life is, is beautiful. Like that sounds like a, a celebration. Um, and that's, I think why I kept thinking about Heliogobalus too, because I had recently written about um, the painting that I was talking about and Heliogobalus for my uh, then column at Garage Magazine. And, you know, the thing about like how she was blamed for the fall of Rome and all these stories about her, like the stories are so wild. Like it's like no one would really get crushed to death by rose petals. Like, you know, the petals would just like be ground up in your sweat and your sex, you know, like, so it's like, clearly these are sort of like rumors about like her decadence and like this sort of fear, um, this sort of conservative fear of like, not upholding economic power, you know, instead having decadence, instead having what's considered like a waste, you know, not going back into the family, but maybe like falling in love with someone that you shouldn't fall in love with or falling in love with someone of your same sex, you know, like these were the fears that I think that she represented as well as just like the decadence and the orgy. And like, what if like your life is just a fabulous, beautiful waste? And what if that's okay? You know? Um, and it just felt like so clear to me that like, it could be so easy to get caught up in sort of like, even if it sounds positive, like productivity or like self work or these things, but they're still very insular. They're still focused on the self, you know, um, even if it's not like, you know, economic, you know, trying to make more money, but like just simple productivity, it's so easy to get caught up in those things. And really like you have these moments you're like, but the point is just this. You know, it's just like the connection and the party and the love and the giving and the community we build through taking drugs together, you know, through having sex. Like that's a way to care. And like, that's what, that's like the human experience. To me. Yeah, that's beautiful. And who defines waste? What is a waste? You know, that, right, that exactly. definition has come from I mean, likely systems and people that many of us don't really resonate with. Um what is wasteful and what isn't in terms of our time, our resources, mm-hmm. the earth's resources, you know, as simple as mm-hmm. food and packaging and all of that. I don't definitely resonate at all with that definition of what is wasteful in life. Right. Um, I have a line in my book that's something like, who's to say by what a life is wasted? Mm-hmm. You know, it's exactly. Like- there you go. That's, that's exactly it. And, and, this is kind of one of the pitfalls, I think, of modern personal growth, introspection, spirituality, depending on whatever frame is that if it's not, if you're not kind of like working towards this betterment, then it's, then you're not mm-hmm. doing enough and, and that's wasteful and it's not kind and you're not, you know, sort of contributing to the world in a certain way, Um which to me sometimes it's just, it's more of the same story, but just like in a different outfit, you know? No, totally. Like I once had, and I don't want to get into too many experiences, yeah. <laughs> but it was with one of my partners that I was with um, during the acid trip. Later we were in LA and we were doing a lot of channeling and stuff. And I don't know if you know about the Pomagira. She's sort of known as like the most feared and revered deity um, from the Kumbanda religion. My friend had been really studying her And um, she's known as like the protector of all sex workers, also trans people, also gay people. And so like, she was really like, we have to do like a ritual, we have to, she's asking me to, you know, like she's come to me and she's saying, because the thing is like, she's supposed to come to you, 
you know, like you don't call upon her or, you know, if you call upon her and you're not her child, one of her children, she might smite you, you know? So we did this whole like thing and I set up a meditation, you know, where we could like meet her. And when we did, she was just like laughing and she, cause she comes in many forms. She can come in the form of like her street sort of version or like her, like very like more like elegant version. And I definitely saw her in like the street version. And she was just sort of laughing. Like, what are you working towards? Like, what do you need? What do you need so much of? What are you worrying about working towards saving towards? Like, this is it. We dance and laugh and fuck. We dance in the street. Like that is life. Mm. You know, it's just, and then we die very quickly, you know? And like, I feel like that moment, like the decadence and the care and the party. And like, it just, when you have those moments and like, kind of just really brings it all together. Yeah. Well, so I want to go back into that that story of that night a little bit and just kind of imagining you in the midst of love, like love from your friends and love from your partner and that love happened to also have a sexual component. Doesn't always, you know, obviously you're someone who is really comfortable in that realm, but what would you say about just like the experience of how that that psychedelic that which was you know LSD in your case how it freed you to just love and again not to sound hippy dippy on my side with <laughs> of yeah. like free love but but when I'm getting to the essence of the experience it sounds like mm-hmm. the inhibitions and the sort of qualifiers and all of the things that get in the way of just loving like who's my partner i don't like them what kind of commitment are we in all these all these kind of terms conditions agreements were kind of like cleared like a path was cleared yeah. and it feels like oh great we can just finally just fucking love and we don't have to figure yeah. it out like what was you know what would you say that felt like and 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 is that accurate in a way the way that i just described it you totally nailed okay. it. I mean, it's that feeling of like, you know, like I said, like these were, these are people that like, I maybe already sort of considered partners, partner friend. I don't know. I'm a Sagittarius. I can be hard to pin down, you know, um, in terms of commitment, but like, you know, there's that thing where it's like, well, I have this partner and I have these boundaries. And so if I let someone else in, then what, you know, what's that going to mean? You know, what, you know, what will I owe them? What will they owe me? You know? And like, is there a system of debt here? Which I think is like, the problem in the way that we think about relationships so often is like, if I let this person in more, if I let them call me their girlfriend or that my girlfriend or whatever, like, then what do I owe them? Then what does it mean? As though it's built always on a system of debt. And I think like in that moment, it just felt like nothing, everything was just full of giving. Like there was enough, like, you know, there was enough love and we were just like in the moment, like there was no debt, you know, like the, and so like we could have that moment and it could mean everything in that moment and it would continue to mean things, you know, like, but like, I didn't need to look at it so much. Like, well, if I open myself up this way, then what do you, you know, what do I owe you? Hello, quick interlude here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, I'd love for you to check out my book, Fuck Like a Goddess, my guide to healing yourself, reclaiming your voice and standing in your power. Publishers Weekly called it a sharp, forceful debut. It was one of Bustle's best summer reads and a bestseller in three categories on Amazon. These are my methods that I'm teaching to inspire you, challenge you, bring up your resistance so you can face it and get free and unleash your gifts. 
how to let life make love to you, enjoy every bit, and find the magic in all of it guide. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, and Sounds True, or by visiting alexandraroxo.com slash book. Thank you so much. It means the world to me to have your support for my work. Back to the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, which super basic word to describe that would be unconditional, like unconditional love. What happens when we put the conditions aside and in the condition being that feeling of, of being indebted or like, what do I need to do to deserve this? Or um, what am I going to get from this person if I give this or whatever? And so much of that is is unconscious behavior. And, you know, from a yeah. psychological perspective, we think that we don't even have any, you know, consciousness around. So the beauty about psychedelics or any type of altered state of consciousness could happen in, in another way as well, is that we we can free ourselves of those unconscious limitations. And that's what actually makes psychedelic experiences often very confronting because sometimes that unconscious material comes up and like, you know, slaps you in the face. And so I totally. think I love that you chose um, this as like, oh, this was a, an exalted, a beautiful opening because I'm sure you've mm -hmm. had many psychedelic experiences that have been scary and shadowy and that actually take you in a different direction. And I know in my experiences that when they do open in that direction of unconditional love in whatever mm -hmm. way it is, it's, it's like something you always remember because we don't touch that frequency totally. very often here. <laughs> and like that's the thing too and it's so crazy like with you know having a rich experience and drugs and stuff because a lot of people I feel like it's hard to talk about this stuff because it's sort of like you've heard it over and over again you know people take molly and they talk about like loving everyone and like of course I felt like I loved everyone on molly before but it's different you know what I mean like this like sort of deeply psychedelic thing where you're like really opened up in many many facets all at once you know, because I mean, it wasn't just, you know, it was like the friendship opened up and I opened up sexually and I opened up even deeper to my own queerness than I thought. I opened up to myself and my own love. I opened up to realizing that like my priorities had been wrong, you know, that I've been working too hard and this is what I was working toward and I could have more of the thing that I wanted, um, you know, and I really, in having, having been working so hard and so focused on that, I really came back to myself. You know, in that love moment, I came back to also loving myself, came back to myself deeper to the point where like afterward, I felt completely like this transformation, this shift. That's when I started writing all these poems. Uh. Like that's when really all the poems started flowing. And that's when I just, you know, I was like, at the time, you know, I had to have like the look for the sex work outfits. You have to look a certain way so only spend money for like work clothes. And I was like, wait, why can't I wear pink eyeshadow and pigtails and vampire fangs and angel wings and just like dress how I want and look how I want. And it just was like this huge blossoming and opening mm -hmm. after that trip in so many wow. ways, creatively, you know, oh, that is so delicious. And it was so good. I mean, for people like who aren't psychedelic explorers or maybe even sexual explorers, do you, would you, how could you translate that to them? Maybe of like, okay, guys, <laughs> Even if you aren't Rachel and you haven't been in an orgy or <laughs> done LSD or you don't wear vampire fangs, um, but like that sense of freedom and unconditional love, like 
how would you translate or even just explain that to someone who maybe has never experienced it? Mm-hmm. So we're trying to go back again to the points about Heliogabalus where it's like, it comes from your values, right? Like where I was saying, like, if your values aren't towards like just this conservative thing of like, well, if you do this, what's going to happen? You know, like what is going to happen? What you're going to lose money. You're not putting, you know, putting your energy towards like this machine or the machine of the family. Like, well, then where are your values? You know, like, what do you really believe in and how, where can you live with them? Like, can you live outside of things more? And then I think like, you know, I was a shy kid growing up, even though I was like very creative and probably wanted to wear like angel wings to school or something if I would have been able to get them, you know, but like I was shy and I feel like I still sometimes can feel shy. And I don't know how you can have those moments of flow where you're just almost like you're almost like you're on stage, like you're acting, you know, and like you're just in the character and everything you do feels perfect and, you know, is fun, like a role play. And so I feel like, yeah, this sort of like way of like acting or like things can be a role play or things can just be silly or things can just be fun, you know? Yeah. So like for people that are like, okay, I'm not going to do acid or I'm not like, I, my edges are a little bit clearer around my, around sex even, but there's an element of creativity and play and just, it sounds like, and it feels like in my experience as well, just freeing yourself, right? Okay, sure. Yeah. If you can't, if you don't want to free yourself by taking acid, fine, go to a dance class, like do something <laughs> where you free yourself and also like freeing your, your body and your mind are two mm-hmm. different things. Yeah. It was so funny this morning, actually. This is a random side note, but my partner was in his room meditating because we have different rooms where we're staying here because for our own creativity and sanity. And I was I was out here like reading about this um, this Hindu goddess that no one really talks about as much, and who is just like her statue is is her open genitals and her breasts, and she has like this lotus head. And I was here just like in a deep study, listening to like these really like beautiful mystical chanty kind of vibes. It was like six a.m. through my speaker, and all of a sudden this song started blasting. That was like free your body, free your mind. <laughs> through my speaker and I hadn't touched my phone and I was like, Oh my God, is this coming from my partner's phone connecting to my speaker? And why would, why would he be blasting this song at 6am? And I like ran to the other room because I was like, we're going to wake up the whole house. And he was like, why, why is your music on so loud? (laughs) Why are you listening to that? And I was like, I didn't touch it. And he, he picked up his phone, which is on airplane mode on his bed and the song was playing and he had been sitting in meditation. And I just thought that was like, I mean, on different levels, uh, such an, a beautiful moment where like he was doing his practice. I was in my practice of like stirring something up mm-hmm. and that particular song came on. And um, and I thought, yeah, like this song is like so it's such an important, appropriate song for for all of us all the time, um, which yeah. is, yeah, f- just free your body, free your mind, free your spirit. Like what else are we doing here? 
you know, like right, totally. if you're so afraid to move your body in a certain way or to express it in a certain way or to be touched in a certain way, you know, or to think in a certain way or to like feel in a certain way. And then you spend your whole life avoiding certain things and your whole life becomes mm -hmm. an avoidance of, oh, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel scared. I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to, you know, I don't like being touched that way or I don't like to move that way. There's so many constraints and it's like if people don't want to take psychedelics or explore, it's like find a way to free yourself so that you can feel the beauty of unconditional love. I think we're scared of losing things too. You know, yeah. like I feel like that's also the thing with like creating boundaries in relationships. You know, this is a relationship, but this can't be like, it's like, well, I might lose this person or if I let this person in, what if I lose them? Or what if they make me lose this other person? Or if I let that person go too far, what if I lose them? Yeah. You know? And I feel like in those moments of unconditional love and like the Pomagera being like, this is it. Like that's it. You realize like, but I have this moment with them. I can't be constantly projecting into the future and wondering what's going to happen. You know, like you have their love now and like that's forever, you know? Yeah. And I guess that's, that's the sweet spot is in relationship, right? Like, when we take risks in relationships, something is at stake, which is, am I still going to mm -hmm. be loved? Because if I move right. in a certain way, or if I dress in a certain way, or if I kiss this, this other person, even if my partner said it was okay, like, will I lose love? And that I just feel like humans were so basic. We just want to be loved. We just want to be liked. It's like underneath all of our desires for, you know, for clothes, money, love, sex, relationship, work, career. It's like we want to share our love, be seen in it, and receive it back. It's really simple. And so it makes sense yeah. that if it's at stake and we think we're going to lose it, then we will contort mm -hmm. ourselves into like the weirdest positions that are so not who right. we are because we think we're going right. to lose love. Right. When it's like you have it. Actually, you yeah, have you it. Yeah, you are it. And you it's know? not going anywhere. You yeah. are it. Yeah. Oh, it's such a hard one though, but yeah, <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's one that you have to relearn all like the time, you know? Yeah. Like learning it and like really having it doesn't mean it's going to be there forever. Yeah. You're going to have to remind yourself and try to get back there all the yeah. time. Love is so tricky. Yeah. Romantic love is so tricky. It's so, I mean, it, I, it's cool because I appreciate a little bit of a, a thrill ride. And so I'm like, wow, relationship. It's just like, you're always walking on a razor's edge, you know, like it could go mm -hmm. at any moment. And the people that tell yeah. themselves, oh no, it's for certain, it's forever. I'm like, I, you don't know how many people I've seen take vows and then change and change their mind. Oh, yeah. and like, so it's, it's actually for those of us who like a little bit of a thrill, it's kind of amazing to go, yeah, I'm like in love with this person right now, but at any moment it could go. Right. Right. And it also makes you better in your relationships because if you look at it uh, like in the way of like, I'm in love with this person right now, where is it going to go? Then you don't get like, I guess, lazy sort of in the relationship. If you think you have it forever and you think you think you have the person, then you're more likely to start resenting each other. Or when you fight, maybe saying meaner things or like, you know, not putting the energy into keeping it fun and sexy and light and all those things that you want it to be when you're falling in love, you know? And I feel like if you don't take it for granted and you don't just say like, well, it's there forever, then like you do continue to put the energy in like in early dating, yeah. you know? That, and that's, and that's, 
I love that. Honestly, I feel like maybe some people inherently or the way they were brought up their childhood, et cetera, et cetera, feel a sense of entitlement around relationship or love or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I think many of us don't. And so I actually appreciate that. Like knowing I need to continue to do my work on myself, my practice, my be myself, be creative, be expressed, be beautiful. However, that works for me and show up in a Mm -hmm. way that doesn't just um, get sloppy. Right. And it's easy to get sloppy. I mean, it's so easy. I mean, we, we, I like, I'm like, we can't brush our teeth around each other anymore. We're going to ruin our sex life. (laughs) I'm like really (laughs) militant at times around it. And then I like forget. And then I'm like, Oh, now we're becoming so yummy and gushy, gushy. And I'm like, this isn't good. Too comfortable, too comfortable. I mean, I like it both ways. Like, it's like whenever like I'm getting, we're getting like really close. We've just like super intimate days on end, you know? And then you're like, okay, no, I'm, I'm losing the mystique. I'm losing it, you know? And then like, you're back into your structured things. You're both on your projects and you're doing things. And you're like, oh, where was that intimacy? I, know. I miss the intimacy, <laughs> know. you know? I know, exactly. I cried the other night. I'm like, oh, we're spending a night apart. And I was like, oh. right. I was like, am I fake crying? And I was like, no, I'm really crying. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's so good. It's crazy how much human beings need love. It's I wild. Know. And it's, I mean, I, I have a Venus in Aquarius, Aquarius moon. Me too. Do do? Oh my God. We got to, we got to talk about that at some point because I definitely I feel sorry for most people who love me because I'm like, I'm <laughs> such a, a freak. I'm so independent and I like don't <laughs> want you, but do you? My Mars and my Venus are both in Aquarius. Oh, really? So. <sighs> what is how does it show up for you I mean obviously like people say like it's like kinky you know more in your brain you know innovative more out there um but like I don't know I was reading some really interesting things I'll have to send to you about like just the other things it means too because like there's a lot of Aquarius that is more traditional oh, as well yes. and likes a, likes a sort of like structure yeah. it's just a different structure yeah it's like Aquarius is kind of the boss you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to, I want to read more about it too. And, and just, I want to better be able to describe myself in all ways to Mm -hmm. the person I love so that I I just want an out for my freakishness and my, you know, being particular. I I feel like part of my Venus in Aquarius is like a bit like finicky or particular in a sense of like needing psychological Mm -hmm. space in a way, or like it's like independence and how that, um, I'm also a manifester in human design. I don't know if you've done human design. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-mm. Yeah, I have. Anyway, it's also, a, it's a, like very kind of um, independent kind of a vibe. But yeah, I mean, the cool thing about Venus and Aquarius is that I think the part of being experimental and open to try things and play and think outside the box. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Oh, it's been so great talking to you and just, you know, hearing your perspective and and the rich languaging that you use around life and around your experience and and just imagining these this beautiful channeling with this your friends like channeling this this Mm -hmm. goddess this deity and imagining you on the astral planes and going into dreams and each of those I mean, Venus was really there. I feel like that whole trip was really just saturated with like Venusian energy, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I know you have a lot of deep, um, deep practice with ritual 
and the goddess, which yeah. again, is like a whole, a whole another conversation. And, and I hope that people feel inspired by just your beingness and your, the embodiment of you and your sort of the way you, you move through the world because without each other, you know, like then we don't get that, like sort of that, that hit of inspiration. I mean, women mm -hmm. artists, musicians, I have, I've been so impacted my being my self-expression by all of them. So I have a, a feeling that you might, inspire just a few people <laughs> listening <laughs> oh I'd love yeah that, um well, I'd love to hear in these like last few minutes like any anything you're working on or you're excited about wanting to to share um before we close um yeah I mean I guess like the like I mentioned the new edition of the book it's called porn carnival Parad paradise edition the paradise edition. So um, yeah, just the new love poems, I feel like they bring just such a different texture to the book, which, you know, as I said before, where I was, I was writing things about like that experience of my friends and the orgies and like all this crazy stuff where it's like, you know, I don't know, we're like, you know, pissing on the deck, you know, like watching each other, like laughing, like in the house on acid, you know, like just having fun. And then like to have this series of poems where it's like, you're just, put into this like intense love relationship in the middle of like all this stuff going on, you know, I just feel like it brings a different texture. Um, and I feel like people like love is like the number one human experience. Like we're talking about, I feel like we all crave, you know, to see it reflected back. We all crave art about love. Everyone wants to hear a good love song that makes them feel something. And yet, like, I feel like people because of marketing, um, like, consumers are a bit savvy now like you don't want to be pandered to you know you don't want anything saccharine you know and so I feel like we should all still try to make art about love and so I feel like um yeah uh you just gotta you have to risk it as an artist you have to risk like writing about love and so yeah for anyone who like craves that or wants to see their own experience like reflected back um yeah, I, I'm happy to share my poetry and I'm so excited when people also like write poetry and tag me. So mm. yeah. Would you be down to read a poem to close us out? Yeah. You know, I could read the one about the acid oh trip my God, and maybe since they discussed the acid trip, it will actually make a little bit of sense and not be so weird because it's a weird <laughs> poem. All right. It is just a little long, not too bad, but all right. So I titled it, Roses of Heliogabalus. An orgy crushed alive by roses. Fabrics falling, bodies twisting, as the room continues filling, petals pouring. I piss on the deck and let the morning come against my ass. Before dawn, I was asexual. Now we rub against the glass, as the sun seems to suggest everything can be porn and we'll know when the time is right. I raise my cup in vibe calibration. Feast each course so rose-flavored it's inedible. I renew my look at interludes, adding animatronic sparkle. I let my thoughts transmit in pigtails. So it's better to illustrate the sexual fantasy of being a no-kill animal on a no-kill pasture, cared for by a no-kill farmer, are every request fulfilled. In continuous invention, we create a ritual. Turn a zucchini into cock, our cock into a spiritual order 
In secret instruction, we uphold this zucchini as chosen one, then piss on it. As our society's export, I'm offering used whippet canisters covered in lotion to roll up and down a calf thigh, thigh calf. I love my bovine body, working as little as possible on the day of the parade. Roses cascade in volumes, pints, quarts, and gallons. And those above, lit from below, ask again, what if they don't uphold our system of power? The faces of the guests, surprised, bored, entertained, do nothing to alert, we're on the verge of suffocation. We know the orgiasts will die in a pit of flowers and sweat, but might the consequence of excess and decadence not be disaster? Would the party not have soaked the petals ground by bodies made fragrant with roses? The jacuzzi tumbles, purple illuminating some sector, the feast, the orgy, the waste, finding in the fog easy motherhood in all we do. We try to conjure a society, but its only tenet is piss on the deck, not in the jacuzzi. The sky mingles into foam, the foam floats to the stars, and Satan reveals himself to have been God all along, to have been Venus, morning star, the joke's on you, clutching a tangerine in case you're thirsty, or if you simply need at this time to feel its weight roll over your body, which maybe right now isn't so much. Mm. Ah, that felt so good. It felt so good. I just didn't... I wonder if the poem makes more sense knowing its background, though. Well... It, it, it worked because I felt like, oh, we're going back and forth between these scenes in ancient Rome right. and upstate New York. And, and so, yeah, I had that context. But I mean, it would have conjured and activated other aspects of the psyche in right. regardless. Um, yeah, so beautiful. I, I feel art and writing is so deeply magical, shamanic, transformational, whatever kind of languaging people want to use, but it can change you. And we've become so literal and I'm, I'm a part of it. I've had to sort of literalize different aspects of myself for commerce. I chose and not had to, but when I hear something like that, it just, it, my whole, like every cell is like, oh. um because there's something so like mysterious and feminine about not really saying the full thing but just like gently inviting it and um, yeah like I explored with fairy tales last year and I was kind of doing this Mm -hmm. this work around fairy tale I love fairy tales by the way I, it was, they were so potent that it was like reading mm-hmm. the fairy tale Bluebeard for like two weeks. I was in this like deep process of like, I mean, Bluebeard's crazy. Yeah, feeling all of like, yeah, the bodies in the basement and the men that had been mm-hmm. my Bluebeard and the, the times that I had been Bluebeard. And anyway, it was such a non kind of literal way of understanding self and psyche and sex and soul and these things Mm and death and I hope that people don't give up on the more nuanced forms of expression I don't think we will 
but I do feel like a lot of things become flattened out into, they you do. know, especially in the, just like the age of social media and, and things needing to sort of be compacted into bite size. Um, yeah. I mean, when corporations own the internet and the internet isn't free anymore, you have less art on the internet. Exactly. Yeah, you know, exactly. So where are you going to put your art in the book? Right. Book? Yeah. I mean, oh, the book where it's well, sold, are you mean, asking? If, if the Sorry. internet isn't free, then where do we create? Right. I mean, that's the thing too. And I just feel like everything's so like dialed in by what Instagram wants, you know? So like they really control it without having to tell you. You and know? it's it's really vicious. I mean, I'm off of it right now taking a break because I'm really like wanting to reset that because the behavioral programming, mm -hmm. it yeah. is, they, it, I, by engaging in there, create what they want me to create. And mm -hmm. most people don't take responsibility for that. Like, but I'm very clear with like, I'm creating what they want me to create in order to yeah. continue to exist in this sphere but who right. am I really and what do I really want to create, you know? And, and right. Absolutely. We'll see what kind of resurgences of artistry occur if the internet becomes more unfree. You know, and that's the thing. And I think that like art does die out. People don't go to the opera anymore. Like periods of decadence are real. Periods where things get completely wiped out and forgotten are real. And I'm worried that with like the way that a few corporations basically own the way we interact now that we're losing art. Like I truly yeah. am. It's really scary. It is really scary. And that's why reading poems with your lover, taking LSD with your friends yeah. becomes actually exactly. a political act, you know, mm -hmm. um, which is a strange thing to say and to feel like the truth of that when yeah. a bunch of people's imaginations and creativity and sexuality and self-expression gets hijacked by those corporations mm -hmm. actually putting the, the the phones aside and saying, no, we're about to like get free and open and, and go yeah. wild and no one's watching, you know, it's a, it's a deeper conversation, but yeah, we have, that's, that's the, our consciousness being our own and like, kind of exercising the corporate entities from it, which would be a great performance art piece if this was like <laughs> 1985 yes, it would. or something. Do it, do in it. New York City, just like some mm -hmm. sort of an exorcism, like blah, Instagram <laughs> is like coming out. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah, well, I feel like I could talk to you forever. Well, so for, for people listening, get Rachel's book, Porn Carnival, the Paradise Edition, which I imagine has um, just so many goodies in it. And anywhere else people, what, are you most active on Twitter or on Instagram? Um, I'm on Instagram yeah. at Rachel Rabbit okay. White and I'm on Twitter at Rabbit okay, White. Cool. Awesome. And just follow her career from afar. Check in on her because she's going to keep doing cool shit that is going to inspire you. That's not basic. That's not, you know, uh, coming from the minds of corporate entities and that's her own. And these are the type of people that even if someone's like not uh, world famous or has millions of followers, but these are the type of people that change 
culture, keep culture moving forward, even in quiet ways or in big ways. And we need you to keep doing that. So, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. You're so lovely. It's a pleasure. Thank you all for listening. And thank you so much for being here, Rachel. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.